You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. A high-profile employee of the Township of Langley has been caught on video admitting to inappropriate conduct online involving an underage girl. According to the group who took the video, the accused thought he was chatting with a 13-year-old. Jill Bennett shows us what happened when he was confronted and how the township is responding tonight. Guys, I promise you... I will never do it again. In a recorded conversation almost 30 minutes long, the man in his 60s, who we have chosen not to identify, admits it was a stupid thing to do. On Thursday night, I, I started thinking, like, what am I doing? I, I, I shouldn't even be doing that. Ryan LaForge, known for working with the Surrey Creep Catchers group, says he chatted online with the man for eight months after connecting with him on the dating app Scout. LaForge says he posed as a 13-year-old girl, even though the man said he thought the girl was 18. There was a discussion between um, himself and, and the, uh, the would-be 13-year-old about uh, Creep Catchers and that if, um, if this was a Creep Catchers sting, that in fact it would ruin his life. LaForge says the man sent several sexual messages online and planned to meet up with the teen girl five or six times, but always cancelled. After that, LaForge figured out he was chatting with a Langley Township employee. You just want to leave and and do you plan on telling your wife? Do you plan on getting counseling? What do you what's your next step? When I I definitely I would like to do some counseling. And 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 then I know that that's in a statement, Langley Township says the employee is now on leave. We recognize the seriousness of what has been alleged and the township will take steps as appropriate, having regard for due process and in consideration of its role as an employer, the public interest and the privacy rights of individuals. What am I doing? What have I done? And I'm thinking, yeah, I have a wife and I have a family. LaForge plans to give his information to Surrey RCMP. Langley Township says it would fully cooperate with any police investigation. Jill Bennett, Global News. A judge has now convicted six men for their roles in a double murder and kidnapping. It happened in 2016 in East Vancouver. Police were called to a home on Dieppe Place on September 17th of that year. Inside, they found the bodies of Van V. Bacow and Samantha Lee, who had both been shot in the head. Their killings were witnessed by a four-year-old boy who was also in the home. He was unhurt. Another man was abducted from the property, tortured, and held for 45 hours before being rescued by police. Now, Haranam Cox, Shamil Ali, Gopal Figueredo, Erlan Acosta, Elwood Bradbury, and Matthew Stewart have all been found guilty of kidnapping, unlawful confinement, extortion, aggravated assault, and manslaughter. New details tonight in a shooting in North Vancouver earlier this week. We're learning more about the victim, a woman who remains in hospital on life support. Nadia Stewart is live outside of IHIT in Surrey with more. Nadia investigators identified that victim today. Yeah, that's right, Sophie. Her name is Anita Nguyen. She's 32 years old, a mother of one, and police say they're still trying to figure out why someone shot her. She just seemed like she was happy. I thought she was living the life, you know. It was shocking to me. Anita Nguyen's friends are still in disbelief, shocked to learn their friend is clinging to life at Lionsgate Hospital. It's like, we go way back. We were just talking about her, too, and then we're like, she's shocked. We're like, what? 
Police say there's still no suspect and no motive following the Tuesday morning shooting that rocked this North Vancouver neighborhood. Just heard a couple pops. I just saw a guy taking off in a SUV. The appeal for more witnesses continues. Police say they have no reason to believe the shooting was drug or gang related. Nguyen has had interactions with police in the past. Out of those, very few were negative in nature. But other than that, I'm not going to go further into that. It's believed Nguyen worked here, a food prep business called Feed Me Fit. It's in the 1100 block of Lonsdale Avenue, where the shooting happened, though the business was closed that day. I had still confident she was the victim of a targeted shooting. From what we know of the circumstances, from having spoken with people there and through other evidence, we believe that this was not at all a random incident, uh, that somebody had targeted Ms. Nguyen for murder. But the question of why remains unanswered. Friends of Nguyen say she overcame struggles in the past. No word on whether past situations are a factor in what's happening now. I know some other people that tried to help her out, get out of rough spots in her life, and she was able to get out of an abusive relationship. IHIT says there are several leads they're working on. They've also obtained surveillance footage from the area, but they're making an appeal to the public. Anyone with dash cam footage or cell phone video is being asked to get in contact with IHIT. Back to you, Sophie. Nadia Stewart in Surrey. Nadia, thank you. Gas prices hit an all-time high today in some areas of Metro Vancouver. As you see, $1.67.9 a litre, breaking the previous high of $1.63.9. The hike blamed partly on two refineries south of the border that are currently running at reduced rates. But as Catherine Urquhart reports, it doesn't seem to be as much of an issue for those who are filling up in Washington State. It's a record high for the price of gas in Metro Vancouver, $1.67.9 per litre. For those filling up, there was frustration and anger. Just crazy. Very expensive, yeah. It's going crazy. GasBuddy.com says prices will continue to rise, due in part to our reliance on Washington State refineries. They're also in a position where they have to supply Los Angeles, San Francisco refiners there who are running into trouble. So demand is very high, especially in the United States. Supply is very low. More and more Canadians are now crossing the border to fuel up. In Blaine, almost every license plate is from B.C., and it's not uncommon to see motorists filling several jerry cans as well. I save about at least $30 a fill-up. Uh, on the average, I'll probably save 40 50 bucks a tank. And I probably save, what is it, about 90 cents a litre Canadian. In Bellingham, gas is as low as $3.01 per gallon, about $1.07 Canadian per litre. 80% Canadians, they are my customers. Yes, it's pretty high. Do so you like Canadians? Of course I do. Also benefiting from cost-conscious Canadians, Washington State's tax man. But I'm sure the thank you card for Jay Inslee thanks the NDP for the millions of new tax revenue for Washington State while they gouge B.C. families. Under the old government, Honourable Speaker, taxes on gasoline increased by 15 cents. Under our government, they've increased by 2 cents. Will people start driving less? Use public transit more? The price jump now prompting many to consider their options. I was just thinking about buying a bus pass. <laughs> Catherine Urquhart, Global News.
That might be the best plan. Okay, Keith Baldry joins us now with more on the politics of all of this. Keith, how does government accountability factor in here? Well, you know, when you, the, the great mystery of what makes up the price of gas includes the government. Government plays a big role in determining how much you pay at the tank. Uh, markets are, are a factor, refineries, all those types of things that Dan McTeague will talk about. But when it comes uh, to what you shut out of your wallet, you're shuttling a lot of it out to the government. Take a look at these numbers. I showed this graphic last week done up by our, our Tavis Dunn, our graphic uh, artist. Uh, carbon tax, 9.3 cents. Uh, TransLink, 18.5 uh, cents. The federal excise tax is 10 cents. Or the two fuel taxes. It's almost seven cents and almost two cents. And GST, 7.7 cents. Adds up to 54 cents for in total taxes per liter. Of that, about 35 cents goes directly to the BC government. We talked to Premier John Horgan about this today. Asked him eight times about what he, whether he'll provide motors some sort of break at the pump because he's got control over that 35 cents. And near the end of it, he did relent and say they're going to be monitoring the situation and hinted, and I would stress the word hinted, and perhaps a break sometime later in the summer. Here's the We'll see how it goes through the summer and if there's an opportunity uh, to uh, have the province step in and help, we'll do that. But uh, at this point, I'm hopeful that uh, there will be some correlation between the commodity price and the retail price. Uh, those are issues that are market driven and out of my control. So in terms of what taxes he might be looking at, don't expect a, a reduction in the carbon tax. I think that'd be politically dangerous. Look instead potentially for a drop in those fuel taxes. And if that happens, probably not until late in the summer. Chris? A lot of drivers hoping for it. Okay, thanks, Keith. Well, if you want to say in what the future of SkyTrain from Surrey to Langley looks like, now is your chance. TransLink is starting from scratch and is seeking public input to gauge what users really want and need. Aaron MacArthur has more on what so far is the biggest concern. This has been the end of the line for 25 years. The SkyTrain tracks will eventually move east, but when and where? Still questions that haven't been fully answered. TransLink, back to square one in terms of planning. The work that we're doing right now is looking at things like station locations. The line is supposed to run to Langley. The only catch, there isn't enough money to build it all. According to TransLink, the $1.6 billion promised will get the train not quite to the Surrey border. There is another $2 billion promised for phase three, but there is zero certainty that will be enough. It's incredibly frustrating for the Surrey Board of Trade. We're a city-building business organization, uh, going to be the uh, largest city in, in British Columbia, waiting for transportation investments for such a long time. Part of that uncertainty is zoning for the corridor. The city of Surrey is proposing a stop on all development until a proper land use plan can be adopted. This is a pause that's just giving our planning department, so eight to ten months, that ability to just you know, take a breath and do this work without the pressures of, of uh, developers coming and saying, I'm, I'm ready to go now because we aren't ready to go now. Mayor Doug McCallum promised the costs wouldn't be much more than the shovel-ready LRT proposal. It now appears SkyTrain will eat up nearly all of the budget earmarked for transit south of the Fraser. The neighbourhood so close to getting LRT will now be left taking the bus. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Right now, though, a Victoria senior is sharing an unfortunate series of events that started with a random roadside check. She admits she was flustered when she was pulled over by police. She forgot to tell the officer that she has chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. And when she couldn't complete the breathalyzer test, her car was impounded. 
Richard Zussman explains how her appeal failed and what she learned along the way. Even on a good day, a walk for Norma McLeod leaves her out of breath. She had oral cancer and COPD, a respiratory illness that makes breathing hard. On Valentine's Day, she was driving her car in Victoria just after 10 a.m. and was pulled over for a random breathalyzer. I was nervous. I've never done it before. And I thought, well, I haven't been drinking, so I had nothing to worry about. McLeod tried three times and couldn't get the breathalyzer to register. The police officer then told her he had one more tube and she had one last chance. So I took the deepest breath I could the first time and I just let it out and that and then he kept saying go, go, go and I couldn't do it anymore. And the next two times I just kind of puffed and blew because I, I couldn't do it anymore. Even though the test didn't show she had been drinking, it also didn't show she hadn't. So the officer then impounded her car and her license has been taken away for 90 days. On top of that, she needs to do a driving course and pay a fine. When the 76-year-old told her doctor, this is what he said. When I told him, and he says, there's no way in my medical condition he could, or I could blow. This is the response to McLeod's appeal. The adjudicator says her explanation was unreasonable. But one lawyer says the entire process is unfair. I don't think that what happened here is fair. I think that the law needs to be amended to find a more robust way of allowing people who have legitimate medical issues uh, to argue that they weren't able to blow and that it was caused by something well beyond their control. The other concern is the breathalyzer itself. Solicitor General Mike Farnworth says the province is looking into it and how it could be unfair for people with breathing issues. In this whole area of technology, whether it is alcohol impairment or drug impairment, there is significant uh, work underway in this entire field. McLeod says she has been told now she could have asked for a roadside blood test, which she didn't know at the time. She says the toughest thing in this whole ordeal was having to tell her kids she got her license taken away. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. RCMP are investigating a two-vehicle crash involving one of their own today. A Kelowna RCMP officer collided with another driver going in the opposite direction. Global's Claudia Van Emmerich has more on what police believe may have caused it. A heavy police presence on Dilworth Drive today as multiple police officers respond to a two-vehicle crash. But this is no ordinary collision. One of the vehicles involved is an RCMP pickup that was being driven by an on-duty police officer at the time. The police vehicle is southbound on Dilworth and the other vehicle is coming northbound on Dilworth. And for no explainable reason, the it appears the civilian vehicle made a turn into the oncoming vehicle. It happened just before noon between Cassiar Road and Silver Place. While the investigation is in the early stages, police suspect that the driver of the silver car may have been impaired behind the wheel. We're looking at it as a criminal crash at this point because there may be alcohol or drugs involved. Fortunately, neither driver was seriously hurt. The driver of the civilian vehicle has been taken to the police detachment. He does not appear to be injured. The police officer has been taken to the hospital to be checked out. She appears to be in shock at this point in time. A collision reconstructionist was called in to help with the investigation. The road was closed for several hours. Claudia Van Emmer, Global News, Kelowna. A third case of measles has been confirmed on southern Vancouver Island, but how the person got the virus is still a mystery. As Kylie Stanton reports, Island Health is warning people of possible exposure.
Fear of measles has led to a record number of vaccinations being administered across the province, and still new cases of the highly infectious disease are emerging in B.C., now a total of 23 so far this year. We've had just an additional measles case identified in the Greater Victoria area this week. That's prompting health officials to issue an exposure warning to anyone who may have been either at the Beacon Community Services thrift store or Fairway Market on West Saanich Road between noon and 3 p.m. on March 30th. For people who are unimmunized and therefore not protected from measles, we're recommending that they get uh, vaccinated this week to help to try to provide some protection. Two doses of the measles vaccine are 99% effective at preventing the disease, one dose 95%. It's important we strive to achieve what's sometimes called herd immunity. That means reaching a point where 95% of the population has received both doses. Just this week, the province launched its measles immunization catch-up program, making vaccines available in schools, at community health centres, mobile community clinics and public health units over the next three months. We're doing the work necessary to uh, to do what my, my goal is, which is to give every, everyone who has not been immunised or has not been fully immunised against uh, measles, mumps, rubella to be immunised. And we're stepping up the public part of the campaign too because obviously um, it's not just children who need immunisation. But this latest patient, who is an adult, comes with an added level of concern. The individual is not believed to have travelled off the island or to have come into contact with either of the two South Island cases announced last week. We're definitely investigating further to see if we can uh, determine where this person may have been exposed, but at this time we don't have any information about that. Which likely means the source is still out there. And this might not be the last case we'll see this year. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. Well, measles is one thing, but a Vancouver doctor is hoping his new book will open people's eyes about the potential for the rapid spread of a deadly plague. His bio-disaster thriller imagines what it would be like if Black Death, one of the most devastating pandemics in history, were to happen now in our modern world. Linda Aylesworth reports. It was in the 1300s when a natural disaster wiped out as much as 60% of Europe's population in just three years. And they thought it was, you know, a curse sent from God for their sins. And they really thought it was the end of days. And it very nearly was. The Black Death, caused by the bacteria Eusidia pestis, which was spread by fleas that were in turn carried by rats, spread and killed swiftly. It was so contagious and so virulent. It killed three quarters of the sufferers and some of them within 12 hours. For Dr. Daniel Kalla, head of St. Paul's Hospital Emergency Department, as well as a best-selling author, the subject got him to thinking. What would it be like if something like the Black Death came back today? Is that possible? I think so. And so his recently released novel, We All Fall Down, was born. Do I not fear the pestilence, you might ask? I fear it more with every agonizing death I witness. In the book, a modern-day outbreak has occurred at the site of an ancient Italian monastery. And the heroes today are confounded as to why it's spreading and how it's spreading, and that's part of the suspense and part of the thriller aspect of the story. As for what makes Dr. Calla believe another catastrophic pandemic could occur in real life? Between SARS, between H1N1, between Ebola, we tend to forget that there's going to be another threat. It may not be the Black Death, but we know some other infectious threat is going to come along. And there's no guarantee that modern medicine will be up to the challenge. 
the pneumonic plague, the chest infection and the septic plague can kill so quickly before antibiotics have a chance to work. Dr. Kalla's primary goal wasn't to scare us, although that might be exactly what he's done. It's a bit of a doomsday scenario. But there's more to it than that. If you can learn a few things at the end of the reading a good story, if you can connect to characters and still learn a bit of science and history, then I think I've done my job pretty well. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Hopes of solving the disappearance of young Timothy Pitson dashed today with a simple DNA test. That's right. The person who came forward claiming to be the now 14-year-old who vanished back in 2011 is actually an adult, a convicted criminal recently released from prison. 24 hours after getting word that Timothy Pitson, who's been missing for nearly eight years, might finally have been found, heartbreaking news tonight for his family. It's devastating. Yeah. It's like reliving that day all over again. The FBI says a DNA test proved the person who showed up in a Kentucky neighborhood is not Timothy. Authorities say he is 23-year-old Brian Michael Rennie, and he has a criminal record, including serving time for burglary and vandalism in Ohio. The family disappointed, but not angry. They have dealt with false sightings before. I would reserve all judgment and pray for the young man involved. Timothy disappeared on May 11, 2011 from Aurora, Illinois. His mom took him out of school early. Her body found three days later in a Rockford motel and apparent suicide. A note said the boy was fine but would never be found. Yesterday's drama unfolded more than 300 miles away in Newport, Kentucky. We had his child who said he ran away. He said he was kidnapped. Police say the person told them he escaped from two men who had been holding him for years, running from a Red Roof Inn motel in Ohio across a bridge into Kentucky. Back in Timothy's hometown, his bike sits at a neighbor's house, given by his dad to a family with a boy he played with, his pictures and memories filling their house. This was Timothy's house, that was his playground. Jacqueline Melendez lives in the house Timothy once called home, his handprint cast in stone. I have hope that one day he'll pass by and say, you know, that was my playground. Now the question, why would anyone impersonate a missing child? We know that you are out there somewhere, Tim. And we will never stop looking for you, praying for you, and loving you. A preliminary report into last month's deadly Ethiopian Airlines crash has found striking similarities to the Lion Air crash last fall that involved the same model of aircraft. Investigators say a key sensor gave faulty readings, triggering the Boeing 737 MAX 8 jet's anti-stall system. The pilot struggled with the automated flight control systems for nearly all six minutes in the air as they repeatedly performed a series of procedures attempting to pull the plane out of a nosedive. The problem mirrors the issue encountered by the earlier doomed flight. Several investigators involved in Robert Mueller's Russia probe are expressing frustration about how their work has been characterized by the AG. Attorney General William Barr is defending his summary, but Democrats believe the report is more damaging to Donald Trump than Barr is letting on. NBC News has learned some of Robert Mueller's investigators believe the evidence that President Trump obstructed justice is stronger than the attorney general has publicly suggested, according to a U.S. official who has spoken with them. Mueller never concluded either way whether the president obstructed justice, so William Barr made a determination himself, writing he and his deputy attorney general, Rod Rosenstein, found the evidence developed during the special counsel's investigation is not sufficient to establish obstruction. 
The details, first reported by the New York Times, indicate Mueller's full report could be more damaging for the president than it initially seemed, even as the White House dismisses those concerns. Let's not forget that the people that have been involved in this process, they've wasted two years of their life and they need to find a way to validate it. Democrats argue this validates their calls to see all of Mueller's report, a demand reiterated in this letter to Barr late today. As discreet as the Mueller team has been, The fact they are now so distressed about the potential misconceptions that Attorney General Barr has created speaks volumes. But the Justice Department today points out Barr needs to black out sensitive information, which takes time, and that he continues to work with the special counsel on appropriate redactions so it can be released publicly. Hallie Jackson, NBC News, The White House. Once the world's richest couple, Jeff and Mackenzie Bezos, have finalized the biggest divorce settlement in history. As part of their amicable split, Mackenzie will receive $36 billion in Amazon stock. Her ex will retain 75% of the shares in the online retail behemoth, plus control of the Washington Post and space travel company Blue Origin. They both took to Twitter today to express gratitude for each other's support. The pair was married for more than 25 years and have four children. In Health Matters tonight, U.S. health authorities are investigating a potential link between vaping and the increased risk of seizures. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration says since 2010, it's received 35 reports of seizures among teens using e-cigarettes. While they have no proof that vaping causes the condition, They are asking people to come forward and report any instances of seizures or other unexpected health issues after using e-cigarettes. Well, just yesterday, we reported on St. Paul's Hospital going up for sale. And tonight, another well-known Vancouver landmark is being listed. Vancouver's International Village Mall, also known as Tinseltown, has hit the market. The property listed by commercial real estate firm CBRE sits on about 3.4 acres at Pender and Abbott Streets. And while the exact price is not known, BC Assessment valued it at about 45, 46 million back in 2018. Well, it's not something you see every day. You can see Riff Raff is now being lifted up off the ground by his feet. Riff Raff the elephant is on the move. Why he's being transported this way, more than 400 kilometers away in a moment. Right after Christy. Riff Raff. And yeah, why is his name Riff Raff? Poor guy. <laughs> All right. That may, we may not be able to answer that by the time you're... Oh, I'm going to try okay. while you're doing Figure the weather. Out what, the name Riff Raff. Yeah. Okay, well, you got a lot of... Looks like storms or something to talk about. What yeah. a thing to talk about. Yes, a few storms headed our way, everyone. Quick, though, let's enjoy today by looking at uh, some time-lapse video from uh, the township of Langley. Barely uh, a cloud out there. You can see the clouds moving moving just a little bit there. Uh, Winds only were up to about 15 kilometers an hour, but that's about to change. The rain is moving in, the wind is moving in. Let's have a look at what's happening. So what we've had is a setup where we're starting to see a southwest flow. The jet stream really targeting the south coast. We're really going to be the front line of defense for one, two, and three. One and two will hit us on Friday, and we will see the first one overnight tonight, likely pushing in around 11 o'clock for the lower mainland. We'll see that during the morning 
interesting commute. And the second one pushes on quite quickly. Not much of a break in between. We'll see that one during your afternoon commute. And yes, windy conditions along with it. And the third one will move in on Saturday morning. So it's one after okay. another. In terms of rainfall, by Friday night, we should see anywhere from 15 to 35 millimeters of rain across Metro Vancouver. That chance of rain continuing, oh. even though we have several waves, we really will see uh, rainfall for most of the time, except maybe a little bit of a drop Saturday morning. We may see it ease off before the third wave moves in and the windy conditions are expected. So tomorrow morning, we could see winds in the 50 to 60 kilometer an hour range, mainly out along the Strait of Georgia. And I'm concerned about snow tomorrow night. A lot of people will be traveling. You need mount, uh, winter tires if you're traveling the mountain passes right through until April 30th. Rainfall across the north coast, we will see uh, rain also across the south. Again, changing to snow for higher elevations tomorrow night and that rainfall across the south coast region. And possible breaks of blue sky on Sunday. I'm sorry, you, you should see Galas right now. He, beautiful shot from Sherry in Vancouver. I'm kind of delaying a little bit. <laughs> I'm delaying, slowing things down a little bit so you can get me a chair. Anyways, uh, so there you go, you guys. Um, Lots of petals out there still on the trees, oh. but that's not going to be the case as these series of systems move in. It's beautiful. Okay, well, Thank do you want to <laughs> speak, in, speak into the microphone? So I had no chair and I have no microphone. Are you guys trying to tell me something? <laughs> I'm not your, sure what's going your on. security pass still well, works, no, right? Yeah, but oh yeah, that's... You right. don't have to say anything yet. No, you, you talk and maybe... This I is us first. Yeah, your microphone's okay. over there. You guys do that. Okay, you do that. Let's talk about riffraff, the element, el the not elephant us. first. <laughs> not this riffraff. <laughs> it's... it's basically dodged a death sentence. Oh, Riff Raff. Riff Raff has been at the center of a two-year-long battle. A court ruled that he be destroyed after locals complained he had become a nuisance, knocking down fences and trampling over farmland. Activists moved him to a nearby reserve, but he found his way back to his old stomping grounds. Now he has been taken to yet another park, even farther away. Those who spearheaded the effort say Riff Raff's story highlights the growing problem of people encroaching on animals' long-time habitat. <coughs> Glad to know he's going to be okay. Okay, we're all sorted here, yeah, I, I think. think. Microphones, mic? chairs, and I got a microphone now. I'll bring it up with the floor director. Oh, we don't have one of those anymore. <laughs> That's us. Oh. We are the floor director. <laughs> but now. you did some nice furniture moving. Yeah, well. you did well. That was yeah. Thank you very much. I got much. a photo of it. So if I'll I ever that. move, I know who to call. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> When you say the name Zlatan, I feel like you need to deepen your voice. Zlatan. Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah, you do have to have the Maybe accent. pull out a sword or <laughs> yeah. something. I don't know. Or, well, you'll see in the story, James Corden put him in one of those sort of the Zoltar machines. Oh, oh yeah. Close enough. Close enough. See? Yeah. And when you're Zlatan and you're famous, you can always speak about yourself in third person. Not many can do that. Uh, over the years, the Vancouver Whitecats fans have been ripped off of seeing some of the bigger names in Major League Soccer because BC Play Stadium is artificial turf, not natural grass. Now, the turf of the 21st century is way better than the turf of the last century, which was essentially a thin green carpet over concrete. But just the same, superstars like Didier Drogba, Thierry Henry, didn't want to play in Vancouver because of it. The LA Galaxy, though, have brought their stars to BC Place. David Beckham played here, and their current big name will play against the Whitecaps as well. Jonathan DeSantos over the top towards Latin Ibrahimovic! It's spectacular from Z 
Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Zlatan Ibrahimovic is bringing his act to BC Place Friday night, and if history tells us anything, it's a show you won't want to miss. Even at age 37, Zlatan brings the spectacular on a regular basis. And give him credit, he'll play on the artificial turf at BC Place, despite the toll it takes on his body. I feel good. My body will never be 100%. When you're above 30, the pain just move around. And you just have to handle it good. Zlatan's talents are only exceeded by his ego, but he does it in such a fun way you can't help but like him. L.A. is a perfect fit for a guy who really can't talk enough about himself. Who has summoned Zlatan Ibrahimovic, the greatest soccer player in the entire universe? Uh, he doesn't shut up uh, in a good way, but he knows it's experience. He knows how to get in under the skin of a defender. So we spoke about that. Don't don't listen. Don't get into that game. Yeah, he likes to talk. Yeah, he's, you know, he's lots on. I mean, you guys know that. He's he likes to chat. He likes to talk about himself and stuff. But that's fine. You know, you try to just stay focused on the game. We try not to get into those kind of mental games with him. Um, we just continue to play football, keep it football related. I feel like we can shut him down. The only thing about Zlatan is that he can back up his talk. He torched the Whitecaps for two goals in their lone meeting last year, and he drew a penalty that led to a third goal. Silencing Zlatan is nearly impossible, but for the Whitecaps, shutting him down will be just as hard as shutting him up. Very delay, Global Sports. Hmm. wonder if that means he'll be looking forward to coming here. Uh, Brogan Rafferty, the newest Vancouver Canuck. They signed him out of college. Legally blind in his right eye. But can play the game. Uh, speaking of able to play the game, Quinn Hughes, nice pass here to Marcus Granlin. What's with Granlin? Now he's a goal scorer late in the season. Quinn Hughes, this is a power play goal. one nothing Canucks in Nashville. Nashville has something to play for. The Canucks obviously do not. But for some reason, Vancouver likes playing when there's no pressure on them, although this is a bizarro goal. Hits the net, then hits Pecorine in the back of the head and goes in. And that's Tanner Pearson's goal. Speaking of a guy who's starting to score. So it's 2-0 Canucks and another weird goal, but this one by the uh, Preds. The whistle actually blows here, but because the puck was still moving, they looked at it on video and gave it to Colton Sissons. So 2-1 after 2 for Vancouver. That's a small-looking dressing room in Washington for Montreal. Habs need this one. They need them all down the stretch to have any chance of the playoffs. They let a goal in by a former player of theirs, Lars Eller, against Washington. That made it 1-0. Then it's Shea Weber tying things up 1-1. But former Canuck Nick Dowd scores the only other goal in this game. This loss does not eliminate Montreal from the playoffs, but it pretty much sinks their boat. 2-1 Washington, a winner against the Habs. Women's World Hockey Championships, Canada starting against Switzerland. You know how this one's going to go. The only team that gives Canada any problems are the U.S. Or is the U.S. Lauren Gable with the goal there, 1-0. Blair Turnbull's going to get a deflection goal. Canada wins this by the score of 6-0 over the Swiss, who were cheese against the Canadians. Had to throw that in. Trevor Bauer and the Indians. This was interesting. Bauer actually had a no-hitter through seven innings, but he had thrown so many pitches they took him out. And they had to uh, try to get a no-hitter by committee. They didn't get a no-hitter, but they did beat the Blue Jays. Greg Allen gets the fielder's choice. RBI 
4-1 Cleveland beats the Jays. Boy, the Jays are struggling right at the plate. World Curling Championships for the men in Lethbridge. Kevin Cooley of Canada taking on the U.S. Incredible shot here. All the way to one side and then bounces across. Canada's record is now 7-2 after that 6-3 win. Was intense. What a shot. There you go. Global News Hour at 6 and the Queen Charlotte Lodge are giving away two four-day ultimate fishing adventures in Haida Gwaii. Here's tonight's code word. Fishing. Enter now. Coming up on ET Canada, it does not get better than this. First, the cast of Game of Thrones previews their final season. And then the one and only Celine Dion announces her new world tour and her new album. Oh, all of that is coming up at 7 right after the news hour. But for now, it's back to you, Chris and Sophie. So summary, Cheryl. Thank yeah. you. Well, a small but mighty Sikh cr- uh, congregation in Clearwater is showing how deep its faith is in the community. After years of dwindling numbers, the last remaining members of the Gudwara decided it was time to sell and put the money to some very good use. Paul Johnson has the story. It's so heartwarming. I mean, you know, it still gets me thinking about it to this moment. When Clearwater Mayor Merlin Blackwell looks at the old Sikh temple in his town, there's a sad reminder of something that's come to an end, but also the gratitude for a remarkable gift. There's been an absolute outpouring of pure love for these people. Though the temple has been in Clearwater for 50 years, like so many churches and places of worship across the country, its numbers had declined in recent years. Only a handful of Sikhs were attending services about once a month. Narinder Singh here was temple president. We were only, what, uh, we were, had a 10 families last six years, then we dropped back to only five families now. So then came the reluctant decision to close the temple and sell the land. Reviewing their finances, they realized they were in a good position. The property was paid off, and the temple actually had a substantial amount of money in the bank. But what to do with it? When here and the other leaders looked around at an interior B.C. town that had recently had a mill closure, the answer was clear. What was best for the Clearwater area? So we decided we're going to leave all the money here, every penny. It's more than $160,000 they'll be leaving in the community, giving to the senior center, the food bank, the skating club, and a new bursary for the high school. Watch closely here, because you seldom see a mayor tear up on camera, watching his Sikh neighbors act on one of the pillars of their faith, give back and help others. These people that you, you you broke bread with and did things with, You know, it's so much joy and so much pure joy without strings attached. It's just absolutely amazing. Paul Johnson, Global News. I'm I'm not crying. You're crying (laughs) after that one. Everyone is. That's a great story. That's a great story. And good use of the drone. And we feel like he might be related to the heroes who used to work yeah. Possibly. Raina and Simi. Possibly. Mm-hmm. No, Recognizable name for sure. Okay. Uh, final word on the weather. Sure. So we're certainly going to get wet over the next several days. Three waves over well, two on Friday, one on Saturday with wind as well. So especially near the water to Wasson area, we'll see windy conditions. Um, hopefully some breaks of sunshine Sunday. Hmm? We'll see. I live for Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. I like riding the waves.
<laughs> Let's ride the waves. We'll have to. All right, thanks for watching. Have a good night, everybody.